The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we have with us, I better start over because Joseph took time getting off. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, very lucky to have with us Michael Tolofsrud, who's one of the world's leading misophonia self-advocates. And if you're like me, you didn't know what misophonia was until recently. Michael, welcome. Well, thanks for having me on and for uh, hyping me up a little bit there. Well, I'll tell you what, you're very inspirational. You know, I was rereading one of the articles you've written in the past for different brains, and I love the way you took us inside what it's like to have misophonia. Now, why don't you, first of all, give a proper introduction to yourself, because I messed it up. And then after you do that, we'll have you introduce us to misophonia. All right. Well, uh, I'm Michael Tolliser. I'm a recent graduate from North Carolina Central University. Just got my master's in general psychology in May. Uh, perfect time to be trying to enter the job market, obviously. Um, as for misophonia, it's kind of hard to... What's funny is there isn't, at the moment, one definition for it, because uh, it hasn't been centralized or classified yet. But it's typically described as a condition where people have very negative uh, emotional responses to specific sounds, and most commonly it's the sounds of people eating. And would you say that the, the mostly the sounds that come from a human body? Yes, uh, typically it's all, and more specifically, it's typically all oral sounds. So eating, uh, breathing, coughing, sniffling, stuff like that is usually the uh, types of sounds that trigger people. Now, when I first got exposed to this in interviewing Jennifer Jo Brown, uh, who has misophonia, I, and then reading about it, because I knew nothing about it, and it's not that uncommon, by the way, but <clears throat> what got me was not only that if you have misophonia, you're so hypersensitive to these body sounds from others, but also it kind of goes straight to your amygdala and makes you want to lash out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does actually trigger the fight or flight uh, response. I'm blanking on the name of the actual study, but I remember reading a study that used EEG and other methods and actually showed the physiological responses of fight or flight in response to triggers. Yeah, and some of those uh, fancy scans they're doing nowadays, though, you can see it go from where things are being considered logically to over there, where it's just like, uh, I think my ex-wife had it, you know, because if I used to like burp or chew with my mouth open, she used to punch me, you know, so it's a, a matter of really irritating her because she was hypersensitive to it in retrospect, and then lashing out kind of a road rage kind of thing. It, that's actually a pretty decent way to put how it, at least to me, 
uh, feels is it is a bit of that road rage, like a how dare you type of uh, feeling to it. Yeah. So um, how old were you when you first uh, discovered this? Oh, well, when I first found out it had a name, I was 18. It was my last semester of high school. I'd had symptoms for years, but I hadn't heard of it, like the name. So up until then, it was just my weird sound issue. And I just kind of Googled it, my symptoms, like I don't like the sounds of people eating. And then I found out, well, what I was found first was selective sound sensitivity syndrome, which is, uh, you may have heard of, it's a, just another name for it. Um, or actually it was the first name for it. Then misophonia kind of became more popular, but they both described the same uh, thing. Uh, but yeah, so I was 18 and I discovered it by just Googling. Now, um, were you seeing any professionals before that time or were you seeing any uh, healthcare people to say, like, maybe there's something wrong with me, or you just were kind of feeling a little bit funky? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually was seeing professionals. Uh, I was seeing a psychiatrist uh, when I was a child uh, for severe OCD and ADHD. Uh, so I was actually already seeing someone before the symptoms really started, but since most people don't know about it, she didn't have much more advice about dealing with it other than like trying did they, exposure. Did they give you any different kind of names or labels or diagnoses? Oh, no, no, they, they didn't know what to call it. Uh, she, uh, she was, she just tried to give me coping mechanisms, but she definitely didn't have any terms for it. So as you did in our, our written article, okay, many in our audience who are watching this, they never heard of misophonia before. And now you're going to take us through some specific examples, if you don't mind, of tell us what it's like. Take us in there with you. All right. Well, I guess the simplest way would be just to kind of do the same sort of uh tale that I did for the blog post. So uh, being a student in a high school, you'd sit down for class and you'd get ready to try to learn. And then you just kind of hear a sound off to the side and you look and it's someone popping gum or chewing on something. And all, every time they make that sound, it just feels like a little slap to the face. And it's just constantly dragging your attention away from what you're trying to focus on. And then eventually you do get through the class. Maybe you got maybe 30% of what the teacher said, but you can wing the rest of it. And then when you leave class, you go home and then dinner time with the family, uh, depending on how uh, supportive your family is with misophonia. For the longest time, we didn't even have a name for it for me, but uh, it, kind of, it makes things a little more tense than uh, family gatherings usually would be as you're sitting there and even though they're not doing anything wrong they're annoying you and they're annoying you for something they can't help and that kind of thought that I'm the one with the problem kind of cycles through and it sort of makes it even worse the uh, the oh it's my issue but then I'm also feeling this anger that shouldn't really be there it just kind of uh 
a positive feedback loop. What's it like if you go to a big party? What's funny about that is that it's actually easier to be around triggers if there's like a lot of noise. Like I don't usually have problems in restaurants or at, I'm not a much of a partier, but at parties, when there's a lot of background noise that sort of drowns it out, it's pretty easy to, uh, pretty easy to ignore, especially if you have earplugs, which I always have on me. It's actually when it's uh, quiet places, like in the kitchen or the living room with just a couple people, that it's actually a lot harder because there's a lot less distractions for it. Now, you name some of the sounds that really bother you a lot. Uh, for me specifically, it's smacking, like so chewing with your mouth open with like gum, that sort of smacking sound. Popping gum is like, I don't know how, but it's at the top of the list. Specifically popping gum, I don't know why, but that one really gets me. And then crunchy foods like chips or celery or stuff like that. Those are like the top issues for me personally, what? although the specific triggers vary from person to person. What are the tools you use to deal with your misophonia? Well, I always have, I might have mentioned earlier, I carry around a a thing of earplugs who they don't block it out but they do dampen it and so just that little having that little bit of control to help like smooth it out and then especially when like I said at restaurants uh, if you dampen it enough then it's uh, you can learn to sort of accept it and move through it um, besides that it's mainly just been well I mean those that's really my only tool. I know you like tools. Well, for me personally was earplugs, although using, um, I've heard some good success and I've been meaning to try out using like uh, those noise generators that they used to treat for tinnitus to help drown out the sounds, but I haven't tried that yet. Uh, so for me, it's been earplugs and I've also had some success making things a little bit easier with uh, mindfulness. I found that to be a little bit helpful, mindfulness meditation, uh, but the, your mileage will probably vary depending on. Uh, yeah, I've recently started doing mindfulness for anxiety and it's, to me, it's great because uh, I used to think you had to do something for hours or go to a yoga place and they got these five or 10 minute apps that yeah. just kind of reboot your computer, you know? Yeah, uh, Headspace, is that the one you use? I use Headspace and 10% Happier are the two I like. Uh, Headspace is my go-to. I don't go a day without at least getting a 10-minute in. Yeah, yeah. And I like it too. Like today when I went for a walk in the fresh air, I specifically looked up a walking one, you know? So it was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, now, what about, this gets a little tenuous, but what about after you hear the sound and you kind of realize it's going to my amygdala and I'm going to freak out. Do you have like something you do right at that moment as it's to prevent it from going to your fight or flight or not really? No. I mean, because the, the response is so quick. It's so immediate. It's actually one of the reasons why like gradual exposure therapy, I think doesn't work you need to like be able to graduate it but with misophonia it's an instant response 
by the time you can have that thought process of, oh, this is what's happening, you're already experiencing the, uh, the symptoms. So there isn't really much you can do besides maybe like brace for impact. Now you have decided to study and get degrees in and go into psychology. Why is that? Uh, psych well, um, psychology specifically, I found that because I've always wanted to work in some sort of scientific field in a research capacity. Um, but when I took a intro to psych class back in undergrad, I just loved it. I found it fascinating, the kinds of questions that psychology examines, uh, perception, emotion, how people treat each other, all of these sort of psychology questions cut to the like really primal and core of what it means to be a, a human just and I find that really fascinating. Is there a specific branch or sub subspecialty you're thinking of or not really? Uh, I've been leaning more towards cognitive or social with um, mainly towards it with uh, narrowing the topic down. Uh, beyond misophonia would be emotion and perception uh, specifically is what I've been looking at. What is one piece of advice you might have for somebody with misophonia as to how to deal with it? Well, the best piece of advice, I think, uh, and there's uh, a big question actually for the hypothetical. Do they know that misophonia is a thing or do they just think that they're crazy because if they haven't heard of it, I can tell you from experience that finding out that it's a thing, other people have it, uh, that in itself is a huge like vindication that makes, it's a big release, relief. Um, but uh, so assuming that they already know that misophonia exists, I think the best advice I could suggest would be to find some find a coping mechanism that works for you. And there's a bunch of them. I tend to go with the, uh, like I mentioned, the earplugs, but I've also heard good things about using headphones with noise generators that you can control with like an app on your phone. And so that way it just sort of uh, drowns out, it like being at a restaurant, it, you can still hear, but it drowns out the nitty gritty of the trigger. What is the role, if any, of therapy? Therapy. Well, I've seen, I've read mixed results for certain types of cognitive behavioral therapy in helping. Um, but if I was to give it a role, I'd probably say that it'd be more of a role of helping someone, giving them support to help get through the issue in the sense that it's a struggle and they're going to have to deal with it. And sometimes uh, you just need to vent and have someone tell you how to decompress and accept things. Acceptance-based therapies, I've also heard, help uh, mindfulness. Uh, but uh, in terms of what therapists could be doing right now without any new research about the treatment methods that do work, it just be, you know, help them uh, come to terms with their issue, stay positive, not dwell on it because it can feel like it takes up the entire world because it 
basically is an issue most times you interact with people. And as you know, we're very social creatures, so that is basically the world. Uh, but it isn't the end. Uh, you can very well, you can very easily have a very happy social life. It just takes a little bit of finagling. And you also need to actually communicate with the people you care about. And nine times out of 10, they'll accommodate because nice people will do that. Well, Michael, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for joining us and telling us all about misophonia for all of our audience here at Different Brains. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.